Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. All is right in the world today. Georgia is number one in the college football playoff top 25, and I think this is important for a couple of reasons. One of these is kind of a small thing. One of these is perhaps a little bit of a big thing. So what do you say for a couple of minutes here? We sort of look at all of this. I want to begin by doing it this way. You've heard me perhaps say this before. That as college football fans, most of what we do is wait for games to happen. Like if you think about like the sum total of a college football fan's life, it's mostly just waiting for games to take place. That's true right now. What is this? A Wednesday? We're like right in the middle of the week, waiting for games again on Saturday. And in the off season, we're waiting months and months and months for the new season to occur. There's always sort of a waiting game being played, and you know what we do to pass the time while we're waiting we make up something to argue about and we go into our corners and we get our facts and our evidence and we just sort of spew it on social media or shows like this or on television whatever else we pass the time between Saturdays or between the months of the off season we pass the time by finding something to argue about so here is the number one reason or the first reason the smaller reason why Georgia being number one on Saturday or I should say last night the 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 sort of first reason why Georgia being number one kind of matters here is because the argument that's been ongoing for the last few months during the early portion of the regular season it's now over it's now been decided and Georgia fans have won it what a lot of Georgia fans believed was there was a little bit of an artificial discussion that was forced upon us with the idea of are we sure Georgia's good are we sure look at that schedule Look at how soft it is. Look at look at the small number of uh, impressive teams that Georgia's slated to play. Are we sure Georgia's good given the schedule that they're playing? Now, the reason why Georgia fans didn't like this is because it required such a pretzel-twisting level of logic avoidance to pretend that the last two national championship seasons didn't happen, that history literally began in August of this year, and somehow we were not able to call upon what Georgia had done in the past to make any kind of evaluation of Georgia right now at all. And Georgia fans would get very frustrated about that because that's what some of the naysayers would want to do of, we can only look at what's happening right now. We have to pretend that history begins today. And based on what we know today, are we sure Georgia's good based on the schedule that it's playing? That was the sort of contrived discussion that was pushed upon us because we had to have something to do to sort of pass the time in the days between the games. And so that was kind of pushed on us. And that was the sort of argument that was out there that Georgia might not be good because it's not playing a very strong schedule. And you even had some folks, including what Heather, what's your face on ESPN or whatever, who were trying to even push the notion of, hey, Georgia might even deserve to be in the top four because of the schedule that it's playing. Well, that argument's now over. Georgia's won this like it wins everything else because what we've seen from Georgia the last two weeks is very impressive performances against highly ranked teams. Missouri two weeks ago, that team's now number nine in the latest college football playoff top 25. Georgia did not cover the spread, but won by nine points there for a team that's having a very good season. And then last week for a team ranked in the top 10 when the game was played, still coming in at what, number 13, I guess it is, uh, in this week's ranking, Georgia completely blasts Ole Miss, wins 52-17. to And all of a sudden, the idea that Georgia's not playing a very tough schedule, it's actually in the midst of playing three consecutive weeks of teams ranked at least in the uh, top 20, but also winning convincingly like it did against Ole Miss this past Saturday. Suddenly the idea that, well, Georgia may pass the eye test, but they don't quite pass the resume test suddenly that doesn't seem to hold very much water anymore so for Georgia fans who are kind of in these squabbles and arguments on social media message boards shows like this all of a sudden the prevailing narrative actually belongs with Georgia here right now and uh, UGA fans are just as undefeated in arguments as the Georgia team is on the field so that's the first reason why Georgia being number one matters is it kind of gives fans the sort of ultimate trump card in an argument that's been going on for a while, that you can no longer uh, slight Georgia for its schedule. You can no longer slight Georgia for its resume. Based on what it's done the last two weeks, fairly easily dispatching Missouri and certainly Ole Miss, the easy, easy case was made for Georgia moving up to number one, and that that is exactly what the College Football Playoff Selection Committee did last night. But ultimately, that kind of stuff may matter to us, but it probably doesn't matter to the bigger picture at large. 
But there is something else about Georgia being ranked number one that I believe does matter a great deal about UGA moving forward because ultimately the question that Georgia fans have and college ball fans maybe in general but right now we're talking about Georgia fans the question that Georgia fans have is not is my team number one it's really more along the lines of is my team really number one and is there something about the perception of Georgia right now that's going to hold for the remainder of the season with the upcoming two regular season games Georgia still has to play and the hope that it's three postseason games after that is there something kind of in the evaluation of Georgia that would give you the confidence to believe that the dogs can win five more times here and get back to 15 and 0 and go for three and 23 as we like to say and that's where the ranking of Georgia last night I think gets pretty interesting because ultimately I thought that Kirk Herbstreit made a really good point about this ultimately the ranking of Georgia last night at number one goes beyond just the fact that they now have the kind of resume data points win against a ranked Missouri blowout win against a formerly top 10 uh, Ole Miss the 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 case for Georgia goes beyond just those resume points there's actually something else about UGA right now that stands out as the even stronger case for the dogs being atop the college ball playoff top 25 I thought this was a good point from Herb Street on TV last night I saw this and heard this this morning wanted to share it with you this is Herb Street making what I think is a pretty interesting point about where George is right now from TV on ESPN last night here's Kirk Herb Street I think the committee, one of the things they had to take into consideration, not just what Joey and Greg meant uh, or mentioned, beating a top 10 team in dominating fashion, but the big thing, if you really pull it back, they're healthy. They're, they're, they're peaking at the right time. Amarius Mims comes back at right tackle. He's a first rounder, makes a huge difference with that offensive line when it comes to pass protection and just mauling people at the line of scrimmage. You saw what Kendall Milton is doing now with Edwards. They've got a one-two punch that's healthy. Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers back. This is the Georgia team that I think everybody envisioned being and living up to that standard of the last couple of years. It's a different kind of team. They don't have those game records like Jalen Carter, but man, they are good and they are healthy and they're heading in a great direction. This is kind of a basic point, but it should not be missed. The thing that stands out the most about Georgia coming off the game we just saw, the most recent uh, win against Ole Miss, the thing that stands out about Georgia right now is this is what this team can look like when it's playing with its full firepower offensively. The return of Amarius Mims at right tackle, the availability of Brock Bowers, being paired with Ladd McConkey, getting a chance to see both those guys playing together. This is Georgia when the battle station is, so to speak, fully operational. And that's really the, really the thing that stands out right now because when you look at the current ranking of Georgia at number one, based on what it just did, we didn't need the resume points the 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 Missouri game the Ole Miss game to know Georgia was good if you have a half a brain you already knew that Georgia was really really good but what Georgia fans ought to take from where it's ranked right now and what it has a chance to do moving forward is is the possibility exists because of how healthy it is as a Kirk Herbstreit points out because of how healthy Georgia is that there's room to now get even better and there's room to be consistently what we saw Georgia be against Ole Miss and I think that's a really important point here that the thing that Kirk Herbstreit says kind of validates the idea of Georgia moving to number one is guys you see how healthy they are Kendall Milton playing the best he's played perhaps in his Georgia career on Saturday night McConkey Bowers playing together by the way in a few minutes Jake Fromm's going to join our show he said some very interesting things about Ladd McConkey this week which we'll get to here coming up in just a moment that that that's really the ultimate case for Georgia right now look how good this team can be when it's fully healthy and by the way understanding the new level of achievement this healthier version of Georgia unlocks it probably also caused you to kind of reconsider the previous nine wins that Georgia collected prior to the blowout win against Ole Miss there on Saturday because at various times this year Georgia has had to put a game plan together with far less than its full offensive potential and that only speaks to even more of the incredibly successful year that Mike Bobo right now is having as Georgia offensive coordinator. Bobo, of course, has been announced as one of the semifinals for the Broyles Award here this week. He could be acknowledged eventually as the nation's top assistant. Obviously, we think that would be a very deserving accolade for the kind of year that he has had getting incredible production week to week 
out of the Georgia offense, even though, as Herbstreet rightly pointed out, Georgia hasn't always had its full arsenal available to Bobo at any time. Now they do. The best may be, may be yet to come because of that. But that hasn't been the case here thus far. In fact, to kind of echo that point, Kirby Smart, when he met with the media last night in talking about Mike Bobo, brought up that same point. You know, Saturday's a day in which we saw almost everything that Georgia had offensively, and it was all working exactly as it should have. Prior to that, something's been missing, or a few things have been missing. And yet, Bobo has still found a way to get an excellent performance out of the Georgia offense. And that's what uh, uh, Kirby Smart says stands that about Bobo's season as offensive coordinator more than anything else. This is what Kirby said last night. His ability to adapt to the personnel we have. I mean, he's had uh, a very rotating uh, lineup. I mean, he's had this guy and that guy out, this guy and that guy. He did have two tight ends. He didn't have two tight ends. Pierce has been injured twice. Loss has been hurt. Brock's been hurt. I mean, he's had backs in and out, in and out, wide outs in and out, in and out. So the ability to teach concepts, you know, have to plug and play players, his development of the quarterback, his leadership and messaging to the offense is critical. So I think that Kirby Smart's exactly right about that, and that's one of the reasons why Mike Bobo is rightly being considered among the very best assistant coaches in all of college football right now. Now, let me kind of sum all this up by saying this that some Georgia fans don't really get all that jazzed about the team being ranked number one in the college ball playoff top 25. And some of that goes beyond just the idea of rat poison and all those tired old arguments that I don't believe hold very much credence anymore in 2023. For some Georgia fans, it's simply about they're not quite so sure that the number one ranking right now is necessarily all that predictive for how the season's going to finish. Admittedly, we have seen Georgia rank number one in certain years in which it didn't finish number one. And over the course of the college football playoff history, this is our 10th year of having this in our lives. We've seen some pretty crazy teams ranked number one from time to time, teams that certainly did not last there at that spot. So if you're a fan skeptical that being ranked number one now is all that predictive what the future is going to look like, you'd have some evidence to support your opinion there on that. But I would take Kirk Kerbstreet's words pretty seriously here. Not only is Georgia number one now, they are perhaps number one with a bullet, the chance to even get even better moving forward because they are healthier than they've been. Georgia has still been dominant offensively, explosive offensively, even with dealing with less than a full deck. But all of a sudden now, the Kendall Miltons, the Amarius Mims, the Brock Bowers, the Ladd McConkeys, they're all back, being led by a quarterback in Carson Beck that seems to know how to distribute the football. And Georgia, what it has done, may be a precursor to what it's about to do. The dogs could be about ready to go on a run. And if the college football playoff committee, why wouldn't you acknowledge that? Georgia number one right now, exactly where it should be. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Breda Pets Management. We're happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us. Live, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, and on the Dog Nation app. We are 10 a.m. after that. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all the video platforms, radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify, everything else. We're just really glad that you pick a platform, that you use it, that it's a source of you know value to you that you come back to us day after day after day that means the world to me thank you so much for all of that and of course the ability we have to reach you and do a show like this every day would not be possible without great sponsors so we certainly appreciate one of our best our friends at breda pest manager who bring today's show to you now breda is also the official pest control provider of uga athletics and that's a really cool thing and a really fun thing because it's always great to support those that support the dogs breda pest management certainly does that but it's the support they can offer to you that i want you to be aware of right now because the termite company for instance that you might be using we know how this goes you get that letter in the mail your cost of service is going to be going up well oftentimes it seems like that cost of service is going up as the quality of service you might be getting is going down that's not going to be the case with Breda Pest Management. They are trusted as the official pest control provider of UG Athletics. That's obviously a really good thing. But beyond that, the history, the track record of success they have in business since 1975, 125 employees, uh, offices stretched all across our area here, the track record they have for success, they want to leverage that for your benefit by putting more money back in your pocket just for making the switch. So I want you to find them online. It's BredaPest.com. B-R-E-D-A. That's BredaPest.com. Once again, 
BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. You can make the switch to them. You can put more money back in your pocket just for making that switch. So please find them online, BredaPest.com, for a lot more on that. All right, before we move forward with everything else we have going on the show, which is a big one, Jake Fromm later on, great to have the former Georgia quarterback on today's show, Mike Griffith in a moment there too, uh, and some interesting sort of looks at how things are going both in Knoxville and in Athens getting ready for this SEC showdown on Saturday. Let me also give you another shout-out here about the Dog Nation Invasion. Coming to the Tennessee River on Saturday, sailing down the river. We can't wait for it. So many of you have made this a big part of the plans for your football season. We can't wait to tailgate and celebrate with you and have a great time. Of course, we appreciate our great sponsors, R.S. Andrews, Kroger, and the Dog Cave for making all of this possible. And you may know what we told you yesterday, which is for those of you who wanted a shot to be on the Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River and were not able to do so, I was able to kind of finagle this and negotiate this kind of behind the scenes here. A couple of spots. We sort of shifted some things around the boat, made a little bit of room for a couple of more people. So there's a wait list that you can go to. If you're watching the show live on dognation.com, there's a link to click right next to the video player. And if you're not doing that, if you're on Facebook or YouTube or something like that, pop over to dognation.com, click the link, join in on all of this. I can't promise you that everyone on the waiting list is going to get in on this. In fact, it seems likely that's not going to be the case. Only room for a couple of more here. But my belief is a couple is better than nothing. So please go to dognation.com, click the link, and you could have a chance to kind of work your way up that waiting list and perhaps get in on the Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River taking place in Knoxville on Saturday. What an incredible time that is going to be. All right, for now, let's go around the doghouse. Poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper, and you all know how much I love that. How much fun do we have with Dr. Pepper on Friday, by the way, with the college football playoff national championship trophy in the building. So many of y'all were so nice about that. Uh, thrilled for us to be able to have that trophy uh, here. It was a really, really fun time and a great thing. And I certainly appreciate all of the kind words you share with me about all of that. I certainly appreciate Dr. Pepper for making all of that possible there as well. Now, let's get to the topic at hand, Georgia against Tennessee on Saturday. So I just said Georgia ranked number one, and it should be. Resume been bolstered by back-to-back ranked wins. Uh, highly ranked teams that Georgia, for the most part, is fairly easily dispatched. Certainly Ole Miss, complete and total domination. Only getting better now that the offense also appears to be getting healthier. I believe that Kirk Kerbstreet's right to say all of that. So the overall vibe around Georgia right now, at least as it concerns this show, is very positive, and we think that Georgia's got a lot of very good football ahead of it here this season. But this is where the music for me kind of changes a little bit. I, I have to say that got a little bit of concern about what you might see on Saturday there in Knoxville. I just sort of get the impression that the early thought here, well, Georgia's riding high, Tennessee's totally falling apart, therefore this game is easy to predict on Saturday. When I hear those kinds of conversations taking place, I want to throw my hands up in the air and say, hold on a minute, wait a minute. Because when did college football become easy to predict? Most of us have been fans our entire lives. The sport has always had a way of surprising us. And my response would always be, be very careful about what it is you think you know for sure. Knowing for sure what you're going to get from Georgia on Saturday, knowing for sure what you're perhaps not going to get from Tennessee on Saturday, be very, very careful about what it is you think you know for sure. I have been kind of hinting this week a little bit about my belief that I do think this game on Saturday could be closer than experts think. I do think it could require four quarters worth of effort from Georgia. I do think it could be the sort of one possession game where perhaps you're kind of nail biting a little bit at the end and having to sort of see Georgia fight its way to winning. Obviously, I expect Georgia to win the game, but I do think it's one of those situations where you got to be a little bit careful uh, about Tennessee here in this spot. I believe they perhaps have more to play for on Saturday than they've been kind of given credit uh, for having, at least in some circles as it relates to Dog Nation. But let me begin with this. In terms of the overall preparation for the game, Kirby Smart telling us last night that in terms of how his team has kind of gotten back to work this week on the heels of winning the East and having all of this, a very different vibe around this year's game than perhaps last year's Tennessee game, 
you know, whatever you kind of attribute this to, Kirby Smart was not happy with his team at practice yesterday. This was a very candid exchange that Smart had with a reporter last night during a press conference. Here's Kirby Smart. Kirby, when a team's coming off not their best outing like Tennessee last week, is it harder to get the attention of, of your guys that, you know, show them uh, the challenge that it might be given? Like last year they came in here as number one team in the Vikings. It was today, but I don't know if it was because of that. I don't know what it was because of. They, they must be feeling themselves a little bit, you know, a little disappointed. I don't think it has anything to do with Tennessee. I think it's just disappointing practice. We've had about five really good Tuesdays in a row, and they were not good today. I don't want to make more of that than needs to be made of it. I certainly don't think that's some sort of fatalistic proclamation. Oh, gosh, Georgia had a terrible practice, therefore it's doomed on Saturday. I don't believe that to be the case. But I do think if Smart thought enough of it to say it out loud, he must means what he must mean what he says uh, that uh, that they got to get back and get back to better business here on Wednesday. And they were there on Tuesday after several weeks in a row. He says a very good bloody Tuesday style practices. Uh, yesterday's bloody Tuesday apparently wasn't quite as intense as he wanted to be. I don't make too much of it, but I don't completely disregard it either. Uh, Smart saying they may have been feeling themselves a little bit there. Uh, You at least have to consider that as real enough that Smart chose to say that during a Tuesday press conference. So obviously we expect Georgia to shake that off and get back to business and get back to uh, being as focused as it needs to be for Saturday. But here's where I think the overall level of motivation for Tennessee perhaps has been understated here a bit. First of all, college football is a little bit of a zigzag sport, right? It's like, you know, what you think is going to happen one week based on what happened last week, we know this is not an easy prediction to make. It's the same way the stock market works. If this year's stock winners were the same as last year's stock winners or last week's stock winners, we could all get very, very rich. Obviously, we're not able to do that because there is market fluctuation from week to week. In college football, that's definitely the case. What's up one week has a tendency to kind of go the opposite direction. Uh, what seems to be completely hopeless one week has a tendency to sort of veer back in the positive direction. That college football just offers us a little bit of a zigzag from time to time. And oftentimes, it's not completely logical as to why that occurred. College football can be just sort of a very weird sport. But in the case of Tennessee, perhaps playing better at home this Saturday than they played last week at Missouri, the overall case to be made for that, it's actually not that difficult to make. When Tennessee has looked bad this year, lost to Florida, lost to Alabama, lost to Missouri, those games all have one thing in common. They were all played away from Neyland Stadium. Obviously, on Saturday, Tennessee has a chance to be back home again. Now, the caveat and the counter to that is George has also been very comfortable in Neyland Stadium itself. Blowout win in 2021, blowout win in 2019, blowout win in 2017. Last three trips for Georgia here have been very convincing and comfortable wins for uh, UGA. So obviously this hasn't really been a problem for Georgia in the Kirby Smart era. But beyond that, you know, we've kind of described this as Tennessee's Super Bowl a bit from the standpoint that a lot of these current players won't play in the bowl game. The in-state rival to conclude the season against Vanderbilt, that's basically inconsequential. But for a Tennessee team that last year got the taste of a rivalry win against Alabama and beat Florida as well, you know, the chance to beat Georgia for them would be a pretty big deal. Now, whether it's a big deal or not, I don't believe they're going to see that come to fruition. I don't believe they're capable of beating UGA. But I believe they're clearly motivated by that opportunity to do that and salvage something to kind of claim to have some sort of claim to fame here for this year. I mean, keep in mind, when they beat Alabama a year ago, they wrote books about it. They threw the goalposts in the Tennessee River. Uh, They treated that as a championship, despite the fact that it was just one win in a season that ultimately fell short of even winning the SEC East. That one win made a very, very big difference in the lives of Tennessee fans. And you better believe the Georgia game, given the long winning streak that Georgia's on, would have a similar feel uh, if that were the case. In fact, don't take my word for this. Listen to Cooper Mays here for a moment, the Tennessee offensive lineman. Of course, you know that last name. Mays family has certainly very interesting ties to both Georgia and Tennessee. Cooper Mays this week on the subject of what the focus, what the motivation for Tennessee is with Georgia coming to town. This may be a team that has no shot at the SEC championship, but that doesn't quite mean they're ready to lay down and die this week either. This is what Cooper May said. It's a big-time game for us on um, both sides. Um, Tennessee is, is working to 
put our program back on top, and this is one of our big stepping stones is uh, getting a win over them. And, you know, I've gotten a win over all the big three other than Georgia. So um, trying to put that together, you know, I think that everybody's going to be coming out ready to play. If you're not, then something's wrong with you, you know. So if you can't get hyped up for this game, then there won't be one to get hyped up for. Once again, I play that clip for you, not because I believe that what Mays is saying is going to happen. I don't believe that Tennessee is going to be beating Georgia here this Saturday. But I do believe this is how Tennessee is selling the game to itself. This is the message that players are sharing with each other, and perhaps this is the message that fans also buy into there as well, which is you you can't win the SEC East. You can't really win anything of note. You're barely a top 20 team right now, but for these Tennessee players in their career, they can finish off wins against what they call the big three. Florida rivalry game, Alabama rivalry game, Georgia rivalry game. That's the way they're going to sell this. And I think to a certain extent, in terms of the mood around the game, that as a selling point probably works. It may not lead to enough motivation to win it because I think that motivation sometimes can be overrated. But in terms of creating a pretty intense atmosphere on Saturday, I believe that's still the case. Ticket prices are coming down a little bit, which means there's a little bit of a softening of the uh, of the mood around Vols fans, perhaps, but not enough to make that big of a difference, I don't think. I still think it's a loud crowd. I think it's the toughest environment that Georgia will play in here this year. And I do believe Tennessee players, who still have some pride left, want to be a part of the building and the come-up for uh, Josh Heupel here in his third year. The idea of getting another rivalry win or at least competing alongside a number one ranked Georgia that perhaps provides a little bit of motivation in other words I don't expect Tennessee to lay down and die nor do I think they need to lay down and die in order for Georgia to be victorious this could be a demonstration of just how good Georgia is right now with the Vols feeling like they still have a lot to play for with Vols fans hungry to get some sort of retribution for the crazy atmosphere and very tough environment that Georgia fans created a year ago Georgia perhaps is still at its best but either way a high level of focus a top-notch quality level of play I believe is going to be required because I believe that Tennessee is going to be ready to try to give it a much better shot at home this week than it looked last week on the road while playing at Missouri we'll watch and see if that comes true and that is around the doghouse it's poured today by our friends at Dr. Pepper now we're getting ready for SEC championship and all these big games here coming up and as someone who travels to these games one of my favorite things about it is the presence of Dr. Pepper all over the place when you go to one of these games you got like the Dr. Pepper soda fountains and the cans all across the coolers and all that kind of stuff Dr. Pepper is just a huge part of the biggest games that get played each and every year that's why we say that Dr. Pepper is the one fans deserve. You watch the Fansville commercials every year, you know the deep and rich connection that Dr. Pepper has the sport of college football. And speaking of rich, you also know about the rich one-of-a-kind flavor of Dr. Pepper there as well. In fact, when our folks from Dr. Pepper came by on Friday and brought the college football playoff national championship trophy to be in our studio, they also brought us an incredible collection of Dr. Pepper to enjoy as well, including some of the brand new strawberries and cream and the strawberries and cream zero sugar there too. Now, also the traditional flavors, they brought that there as well. So we're enjoying plenty of Dr. Pepper in our studio here right now. And our invitation to you is to do the same thing. So wherever you're doing your shopping here this week, going to your local Kroger or wherever else, pick yourself up some Dr. Pepper because Dr. Pepper truly is the one fans deserve. And we appreciate Dr. Pepper bringing around the doghouse to us here today. All right, before we're done, Former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm joins the show today. As I mentioned a moment ago, Jake had some interesting things to say about Lad McConkey and the role that McConkey plays in the unbelievably explosive Georgia offense that we saw on Saturday night. That's good stuff from Jake Fromm coming up. He'll also talk about what the Tennessee game means to him personally. That's a fun conversation there as well. We'll get to all of that here coming up. But for now, on everything but the dogs and the vols, big showdown the SEC on Saturday, rivalry game, so to speak, and UGA being back number one in the college football playoff top 25. Let's address all of that with Mike Griffith here as part of a dog nation, uh, Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. We will say hello to Mike Griffith here. Of course, Georgia getting ready for Tennessee on Saturday. Mike already in uh, Knoxville for all of that. And, you know, Mike, the case I've sort of made here a little bit this week is I expect Georgia to win the game. Obviously, number one team in the country. Why would they not? But at the same time, I sort of assume that Tennessee perhaps plays better 
at home on Saturday than it did last week against Missouri. Sometimes that's just what you get in college football. You know, this is still a Tennessee team ranked in the top 20, so they're probably deserving of your respect, just, you know, given the fact that, you know, they may not be as good as Georgia, but they're still better than most, of course. And when we've seen the Vols struggle this year, those games pretty much all coming outside of the friendly confines of Neyland Stadium. So I believe this is a game that you know could perhaps be closer than experts think, and Georgia could perhaps need to beat its best in order to win here. Dogs already have their ticket punch to the SEC championship, but maybe one more test to pass here in SEC play. What's your early read on Georgia and Tennessee? Well, Brandon, first I got to kind of date myself a little bit with the Dr. Pepper. I, I don't know if – did you ever hear it when they say – I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, we're a pepper. Wouldn't you like to be a Dr. Pepper, too? I do remember those commercials. Yes, I do. I I vaguely remember those. It's not just me, then, that's got that jingle in my mind. Um, But, yeah, yeah, obviously, you know, Tennessee hasn't lost at home since Georgia beat them there in 2021, and that was a game that Tennessee led early, um, and and Georgia came back and won that. Um, Some interesting stats here, and and they probably won't surprise you. Um, Tennessee is 31-3. and when they win the turnover margin under Josh Heupel. And the reason that's an interesting stat is because in both of Georgia's road games in the SEC this year, uh, at Vanderbilt and at Auburn, those teams won the turnover battle against Georgia. Georgia lost the turnover battle at Auburn and at Vanderbilt. Um, Some other interesting numbers. Uh, Josh Heupel is 32-0 when the other team doesn't score 27 points. Well, I think Georgia's going to get 27 points, so maybe throw that one out with the bathwater. But to your point, Tennessee has been a different team at home than they've been on the road. But you know what? So is Georgia. I didn't think Georgia looked – I thought the game at Vanderbilt was just ugly from start to finish all the way around. Um, You know, Carson had the strip sack fumble in the pocket. They had the fumbled exchange. Uh, There was the interception. Um, Vanderbilt missed a field goal, or they'd have gone up 10-0. Um, I think we remember the Auburn game. That was a struggle. They gave up over 200 yards to an Auburn offense that, quite frankly, I don't think is any better than Tennessee's. So I think that, you know, Georgia, if they can play like they did against Ole Miss, nobody's beating them. Nobody's beating them. But if we see the Georgia version that we saw at Vanderbilt or Auburn, then I think you may be right when you said the game could be closer than experts uh, thought. Yeah, now, I guess the caveat to all of this is if you go back and, like, rewind the tape from, like, two years ago, I was sort of saying the same stuff before Georgia went here in 2021. Similar situation, somewhat similar anyway. You know, Georgia had been blowing out everybody for week to week to week to week. Georgia was riding high. And you had this, like, one game left in Knoxville where – I felt like, you know, their fans wanted to make it a big environment. You know, Tennessee wanted to play well. Josh Heupel is obviously trying to kind of get something started there in his first year on the job. And I sort of thought that could be a tricky spot for Georgia. And Georgia won easily, total blowout fashion. So the positive spin for Georgia on what I'm saying right now is, is that if you have a sort of a sort of a repeat of history and my assumption that Georgia could be in for a tough challenging game on the road if that turns out not to be true then maybe that ends up being a real strong indicator much like Georgia's performance here in 2021 was of what this team could be capable of doing in the postseason because honestly I don't think for any team going on the road to play at Neyland Stadium ought to be an easy thing so if Georgia does somehow make it look easier than I'm suggesting they might well that gives you an idea of where Georgia's head is moving towards the postseason and perhaps everything that could come there is a part of that. I agree. You know, I agree because, um, you know, the thing that, you know, Kirby talked about this year's team being different than the last two. He said he thought that the 21 and 22 teams had a lot in common, and he said this year's team is totally different. And I, I do think they deserve to be number one for sure after the Ole Miss game. But there's still a couple of little things about this team that stick in your craw a little bit and make you wonder and worry. Um, giving up opening drive touchdown four games in a row. I mean, Kirby said he was it was pract- he was practicing his patience. You just know how frustrating that has to be for Kirby Smart to see his team give up an opening drive touchdown. It just it, it it's something that never used to happen, and now that's happened four games in a row. Uh, this team is resilient, and Kirby said they can take a punch, but they really have to take a punch. They've trailed in six out of the seven SEC games. 
and you just tell yourself, are they playing with fire a little bit here? You know, they're fantastic when they need to be. We've seen Carson Beck. Uh, I thought he really unleashed against Old Miss. I thought he took it up another level. I felt like Carson came unplugged. I felt like, I don't want to say he played with reckless abandon, but I just, I just felt like he threw the ball more fearlessly, deeper down the field, more authority. Uh, even when he ran the ball, he, he looked like he took off running even faster, almost like he was trying to outplay Jackson Dart, almost like he took it personal, right, that the other guy was the one they were talked about being mobile. Because I thought when Carson ran Saturday night, Brandon, I thought he looked fantastic. I said, oh, my gosh, this guy's got some jets, man. You know, Earlier in the year, it looked like he might have been a little tentative. But this game, it looked like Carson Beck looked fast under the lights. And uh, it was exciting to see that. Kendall Milton looked fast and explosive for the first time this season. Uh, you know, that version of Georgia football is not getting beat. Now, the line of scrimmage is a concern because this is where Tennessee's good. Um, we saw Missouri, you know, Kirby said Missouri whooped Georgia at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, Missouri whooped Tennessee, too. I saw Tate Ratlitz said last night that this will be the most physical defensive line that they've played. And going into last weekend, believe it or not, Tennessee led the SEC in rushing and rush defense, which is really curious to me because I don't typically think about Tennessee as a power football team under Josh Heupel. But this year, that's kind of been their personality. Um, you know, the only thing that was somewhat alarming was when Kirby said they had a bad practice last night and, and said they might be feeling themselves. And that, that was the only thing that kind of made me raise an eyebrow and go, hmm. You know, but at least he diagnosed it, and uh, I expect they'll have a really good practice today. Let me ask you a question about the Tennessee side here for a moment, and you kind of touch on something that I find to be fascinating about this team this year, that their identity is almost completely different to what it was a year ago. Now, some of that can be explained by, well, there's no Hendon Hooker anymore, and guys like you know Hyatt and Tillman receivers aren't there. Brew McCoy got injured. Uh, that gave took took away a wide receiver who perhaps could have played at a similar level to some of what Tennessee had a year ago. But they're also better defensively than they've been. Their overall kind of like running game is is better than it's been. And, and, and like say last year, sometimes Tennessee would pile up big rushing numbers, but it was almost all because of what the passing game had opened up for them. This year they're not throwing the ball nearly as well, but they are, I would say, on a, on a game-to-game basis probably running it a little bit better here what do you make of like the identity transformation of Tennessee really kind of a different type of feel than either of the previous Josh Heupel teams have had uh going back to his time in the last two years at Tennessee well similar to Georgia you know Georgia's throwing the ball more than ever and and it's because of the personnel I mean you've got Carson Beck back there not Stetson Bennett and your running game hasn't been as good as your passing game and and so I think it's good coaching uh, when a coach can take the talent that he has and say, okay, um, you know, what are we going to lean on? And you're right, you know, Joe Milton's not nearly the thrower that Hendon Hooker is. Now he, he's got quite a strong arm, and as Kirby said, he doesn't give you much recovery time if he if it, they got a receiver behind you. But what they do is really unique, Brandon. You know, when they line those receivers up so close to the sideline, you know, like Kirby said last night, they don't their run game. They don't play that in a phone booth. They play it in a big open farm field. Because when you put those receivers out that wide where they're, where they're literally up against the sideline, that really creates a lot of space. And so you're really almost playing eight-man football, right? Because everybody's so spread out, you've got to put a DB right out there on them on both sides. So now it's eight on eight. And if you miss, if you miss a run fit, that takes some guys out of pursuit, and that makes for some big plays. They've done a good job recruiting and coaching at the line of scrimmage. They really have. Um, and that's that to me is where it's going to get interesting, because we've seen Georgia. Uh, you know, let's face it, there were times Stetson didn't play great, but the run game would would bail him out. Um, what happens if Carson doesn't play well? Like I, I think, and I've said it all year, I don't think Carson has the margin for error that Stetson did. And that's not a knock on Stetson. It's just Georgia's defense isn't as dominant this year. It's still really good. It's just not what it was the last two years. So I think you rely more on your pass game now. And I think that puts more on Carson Beck. And he certainly stepped up and played outstanding against Old Miss. And he played great in the fourth quarter against Auburn uh, when he needed to. And he, and he played good against Missouri when he had to in the third quarter, right? He was 11-14 throwing in the second half. Carson has stepped up when he's needed to. The question is, and, and I think Reese Davis brought up last week, can Georgia win with its B game? 
like it did last year. I, I don't know that it can yet. I don't, I don't know that you beat Tennessee on the road with your B game. I think Carson needs to play well. I think you made a good point earlier that, you know, because of the environment, um, 100,000 people, the communication is going to be a little bit tougher. And Kirby shared with us earlier this year that one of the ways you deal with loud crowd noise is you limit your package somewhat. And you do that so you don't have to communicate as much. And, and that's brilliant and genius, but at the same time, you're not playing with a full deck. So, you know, the, the nightmare scenario for Georgia is you give up the opening drive, touchdown again, fifth game in a row, you trail for the seventh time in eight games, and you get behind against a raucous crowd. Now, here's a great stat for you if you get ahead. Josh Heupel's Tennessee teams have never come from more than 11 down, ever. And they're only 1 in 10 when they trail at halftime, Brandon. Yeah, so that's certainly very interesting. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike Griffith here on Dog Nation Daily here today. And, of course, Georgia leaves the friendly confines of its home state Saturday to go up to uh, Knoxville, Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River. But here in the uh, home state, it's uh, always nice to know you've got folks who live in the state just like you do who can take care of you for your insurance needs. And I'm talking about the folks from Georgia Farm Bureau. We say they're always the home team. What that means is the folks who work for Georgia Farm Bureau, the agents, the claims adjusters, the folks like that who are taking care of your insurance needs on a daily basis, they understand what it means to live in the state. They're living life just like you are on a regular basis. They're friendly. They're aligned with you. And they want to help make your life just a little bit easier because they understand, hey, that vehicle that you use, it gets you to work every single day. That's how you support your family, that home that you live in. It's your most important financial investment. It's also the source of your greatest you know, memories and, and your deepest emotional connections. And obviously, life insurance is very important for much the same kind of way. And so Georgia Farm Bureau wants to provide you great products, great service when it comes to anything you need in the insurance space. So make sure you check them out online, gfbinsurance.com. Once again, Georgia Farm Bureau gfbinsurance.com georgia farm bureau is always the home team mike in the time we have left here georgia goes to a number one last night in the cfp top 25 i think the argument overwhelmingly on georgia's side to do that ohio state drops to two michigan at three i could have made a case for michigan ahead of ohio state there florida state holds off washington at five once again i could have made a case for really the last two weeks for the huskies leapfrogging florida state that hasn't happened yet missouri into the top 10 at number nine tennessee stays in the top 25 at number 18 after a pretty ugly loss last week to missouri what was your overall takeaway on the uh, top 25 that the committee delivered to us last night I thought they did a great job with it. You know, I thought it was right for Georgia to, to move ahead. I mean, the eyeball test does mean something. And I, I know Ohio State fans are making the case that they want to maybe beat Rutgers. And why should they drop if, if they looked, you know, good and, you know, played their best offensive game? And and the answer uh, is because of transitive properties in part. I mean, Michigan beat Penn State on the road. And all of a sudden now that Ohio State went over Penn State doesn't seem like such a big deal. I'm guessing that's why. You know, you made the, the case you could make a case for Michigan over Ohio State. I thought the same thing. But, but look, Georgia looks spectacular. Um, what can you say? I mean, that was the team that we've been waiting to see. We got to see Brock Bowers and Ladd McConkey both healthy. We got to see Kendall Milton look like Kendall Milton. Um, you know, Marius Mims returning to the lineup. Uh, I thought he just absolutely crushed the Ole Miss front seven. Um, and, I, and I thought that Georgia called a great game. I mean, they took some punches. I mean, it was 14-14. I mean, Ole Miss scored first, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, boy, here we go. we got a track meet. And, you know, Georgia responded and, and played outstanding. So, um, you know, I, I predicted at the start of the year that, that Georgia would win the SEC, and that's exactly what they're doing. Um, every game is a challenge. You know, I think you got to point that out um, because I think Kirby Smart deserves credit, Brandon. I think this has been his best coaching job. I mean, this season was kind of a minefield. And it, it helped out, obviously, that they didn't play Oklahoma. It actually helped in hindsight that they didn't have to play that road game. But, you know, it's like every week there's been different players out, and Kirby talked about that when, when he was asked about, you know, what impressed him so much with Mike Bobo. And he said, he said players in and out all year. Receivers in and out, running backs in and out, tight ends. You got two tight ends, now you only got one. And, and every week Georgia has had to adjust. And Kirby told us at the beginning of the year that every week the team would have to get better. And with the exception of the Vanderbilt game, where I thought they took a step back before the bye week, I think they have gotten better every single week. And, and I think they need to get better in this next week. 
And I think they need to get better against Georgia Tech because Alabama's looming. But you got to give Kirby credit, and you got to point out the challenges, and you got to give other teams and schools credit because it's not just Georgia's got better human beings, and that's why they win every game. It's coaching, it's development, it's leadership, it's team culture. These things require work and leadership. And so I appreciate that because I know the other team's trying just as hard. They got guys on payroll. They got players getting paid, driving nicer cars than Georgia guys in some cases, believe it or not. So it's not like Georgia just has the market cornered and has all the best players. Other teams have good players too. But Kirby is finding a way. A lot of these young players that have had to step into roles, I mean, you look at it, it, the linebacker situation, Brandon, and, and I'll, be, I'll be honest. I, when Jamon Dumas Johnson went out, I said, oh, boy, here we go. Not because not not J.D.J. was an All-American, but because he was a team leader and he was an emotional guy, and, and how do you replace that guy in the huddle? Well, they done replaced him. I couldn't believe it. This is a freshman. And then Kirby told us after the game, Brandon, he said, these, these guys aren't like normal freshmen. These guys take notes in meetings. These guys came in here going to work, and and I think you got to give them credit because it doesn't you know it doesn't just happen. It, it, it's coaching, it's player development, it's leadership, uh, it's a commitment to excellence. I mean, I was so impressed with C.J. Allen. I, I you know he led the team in tackles in his first start. I, I mean, this has just been a remarkable season, and certainly I know all the Georgia fans hope it continues with a win at Tennessee and then a hungry Tech team with that stinger. They're going to try to hurt somebody. And then you got to go through Bama and beat them, which is something Kirby's never done in the SEC title game. It's exciting. It's, it's really been a great journey. And um, I, just, I just can't – I feel fortunate to be seeing it with my own two eyes. I mean, they win this game, and Kirby ties Paul Bear Bryant and Gene Stallings with 28 straight wins, SEC record history right in front of you, B.A., all right, Mike, good stuff. Thanks for being here on our uh, Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update. We'll see you up in the uh, Dog Nation Invasion on Saturday on the Tennessee River. Can't wait for that. And i talk to you very soon here on our program again as well. Aye, aye, Captain B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, it should be interesting. I mean, we've obviously been planning for Dog Nation Invasion on Tennessee River for such a long time, and the excitement that builds for this and the chance to go up there and earn a really big win, you know, for Georgia and extending this winning streak and, you know, putting Kirby alongside the, the likes of the Bear Bryants, as, uh, as uh, Mike mentioned there. I mean, there's a lot happening for Georgia in these next few weeks, and I cannot wait for it all. Really, really excited about all of that. And by the way, speaking, on the, speaking of being on the water, how about cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean there as well? And one of the things you've heard us talk about a lot over the course of the last few months is our upcoming Dog Nation cruise in April. And one of the things that's exciting about that is for the very first time ever, the Dog Nation cruise is going to be taking place on an Oasis-class ship. It's called Allure of the Seas. And part of the reason we're able to do that is because Royal Caribbean's rolling something out new for 2024, unlike anything they've done in the past. That is giving you a chance to take a cruise on an Oasis-class ship, some of the largest ships at sea, on one of those three or four night sailings in the past the oasis class ships the largest cruise ships have been almost exclusively reserved for like seven night sailings you know full week which is a great experience right because it gives you a more time full week to enjoy all of the amenities on board all the fun things to do i think a seven night cruise is always a great experience when you can do that but sometimes schedules make it a little bit more difficult to be able to do that People have a lot going on. And so in honor of that, Royal Caribbean this upcoming year has an Oasis-class ship itinerary on those sort of three- and four-night sailings that you can be a part of. And that's what we're doing for our Dog Nation cruise. But the news gets even better than that because in July of this upcoming year, July of 2024, Royal Caribbean is also going to roll out its newest Oasis-class ship. It's called Utopia of the Sea. So many fun new things coming from Royal Caribbean. And you get a chance to be on that, perhaps, starting July of 2024, three and four night sailings out of Port Canaveral, very easy port to drive to if you live like I do here in the Atlanta area. And not only can you take one of these shorter cruises on one of the largest cruise ships out there, it's also the brand new Utopia of the Sea. So, so many fun things going down with Royal Caribbean in 2024. We want you to know all about that. Our friend Jessica Slater, great travel age, can tell you about it. 
You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, jslater at dreamvacations.com, and she can tell you all about all of that. All right, so let's react to the college football playoff top 25 from last night. you got five SEC teams still in the ranking. You know, Georgia at one, as you know. Alabama, for the moment, sort of landlocked there at eight. Uh, Missouri does debut in the top 10 at number nine. You've got Ole Miss still at 13. LSU coming in at number 15. And then you got Tennessee coming in at number 18. So you've got a, a handful of SEC teams here. Obviously, um, I think I miscounted that. I think it's six, not five, right? Uh, Georgia, Bama, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, LSU at six, not five. So that's my fault for miscounting. I miscounted on this. But the point is, uh, you got a lot of SEC teams in the mix here. And what's happening around those SEC teams, I find to be pretty fascinating. As I said before, not only do I obviously agree with moving Georgia to number one, I also think you could have made a case. Thank you. Uh, Kaylee Mansell changed the graphic while we were doing this. I appreciate that, Kaylee. It now reads correctly that six teams were ranked. But uh, not only do I obviously think that Georgia had a strong case to be number one, I could have listened to the idea of moving Michigan to number two over Ohio State. Could have definitely listened to the idea of putting Washington ahead of Florida State. Better overall resume there. The debate, though, for the second week in a row with the committee seems to center around Texas at seven, Alabama at eight. And there was a narrative push last night that if you get to the end here, obviously if the uh, unforeseeable could happen, the inconceivable were to happen, and Alabama were to beat Georgia in the SEC championship, perhaps at that point in time, Alabama would get the nod over Texas, despite the fact that Texas has the head-to-head win against Alabama. Now, hopefully that's rendered a moot point by Georgia beating Texas in the SEC championship, or should say beating Alabama in the SEC championship game. But I think it's kind of interesting to me the way that I feel like the Texas has kind of been unfairly disregarded a little bit, and they were certainly last night. I know some of their wins as of late, including this past Saturday against TCU, haven't been the most aesthetically pleasing. They've also been playing without Quinn Ewers. Some of these games have been closer than they were supposed to be, but on the heels of beating Alabama, the big knock on Texas was, is this going to end up being a year like some in which hey, they just have a hard time beating the teams they're supposed to be. Well, thus far this year, they haven't really had a hard time doing that. But to me, Texas still sort of has the look of a playoff team. They have the signature win at Alabama, and they have coupled that with, with the exception of the lone blemish against Oklahoma, wins week to week in games they're sort of supposed to win. But that's one of the things that good teams do. They win the games they're supposed to win. Um, I think that some people right now are trying a little too hard to knock Texas, I have to confess. I'll also say this. I think the two most interesting teams in the country over the course of the next couple of weeks may prove to be number 10 ranked Louisville, number 11 ranked Oregon State. These are teams that are going to have a very, very interesting say what the rest of the season looks like. First of all, Louisville has only lost one time. It's a bad loss at Pitt, and it wasn't a close game. But Louisville gets Miami this week. Uh, They get the in-state rival Kentucky to uh, conclude the regular season and a strong possibility of playing Florida State in the ACC championship game. And I think one of the things we'll find out over the course of the next couple of weeks is, does this look like a Louisville team capable of beating Florida State and remove a team from the undefeated ranks who's been in the top four all year long? Watching Louisville to see what kind of case they can make for themselves in Jeff Brom's first year as coach, I do believe that's going to be fascinating. And Oregon State sees both of the big Pac-12 teams on its schedule here over the course of the uh, next couple of weeks. It's Washington this week, and believe it or not, Oregon State's actually a slight favorite against Washington on Saturday. Then it's the Civil War in-state rivalry with Oregon after that. Once again, a chance to eliminate one of these teams or perhaps both these teams from playoff contention. That's what Oregon State's going to have a chance to do. Very fascinating team here moving forward. Uh, I will also quickly give you a couple of other things here there as well. So Dabo Swinney was asked about the uh, opening at Texas A&M. Would he be a candidate? Dabo sort of sidestepped that. If you want to put the quote from Dabo Swinney compared to Dan Lanning, where Lanning said unequivocally that he had no plans on taking any job other than the one that he currently has at Oregon, despite the fact that Lanning at Oregon actually doesn't make nearly as much money as some of these top flight coaches do, Lanning still sort of sidesteps all of that. Dabo Swinney, by comparison, a lot less willing to do that, or at least he just didn't for whatever reason. I don't think at this point Dabo is much of a candidate for these other jobs. Um, 
so I, I don't know that this necessarily matters. I think that people kind of see his resistance to change and they wonder, is that a good fit for us? But clearly Dabo is kind of okay with those rumors being out there because he didn't push back against that. And then finally, I'll mention this. We'll talk more about this later on the week. You know, there's not a huge slate of games in the SEC this week, admittedly. But beyond the ranked clash between Georgia and Tennessee, you've also got uh, Missouri hosting Florida and South Carolina hosting Kentucky. I tell you the game that's kind of quietly interesting. Kentucky-South Carolina is sort of an interesting sort of low-key rivalry right now based on a little bit of a war, in words, a war of words back and forth between Shane Beamer and Mark Stoops. This could be kind of an interesting game for two teams who both are in desperate need of wins. So don't lose track of that as you're watching everything else this weekend, including the dogs up there in Neyland Stadium. So we will certainly keep our eye on that. We'll make that also cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And now we'll get ready to talk to Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback, as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. In our Dog Nation Daily, time now for a Kroger Fresh Take as welcome in Jake Fromm, the former Georgia quarterback, to the program. Jake, we certainly appreciate you being here here today. And I guess we'll start with this. It was an unbelievable night in Athens on Saturday, a tremendous win for Georgia. And, you know, a lot of emotion, senior night, everything like that. You know, what does it feel like to watch your former team go out and get a win against a top 10 opponent and really kind of demonstrate itself to be the team we sort of thought they were the entire time, but a very convincing, dominant win. Uh, how good did you think Georgia looked this past Saturday? Hey, Brandon, what's going on? Uh, thank you for having me first. And, uh, man, what a night, what a game. Uh, what just a great way to finish up, um, you know, having the home games, uh, night game, big-time atmosphere, um, on senior night, and, man, they, they played well for all four quarters. Um, you know, defense maybe got punched in the mouth there a little bit early, um, but, you know, that's just kind of what we've seen over the past couple weeks. You know, teams having that, that initial success, but, hey, they, they settle down, they make adjustments, and, I mean, you're really lucky to get anything going um, as the game progresses. But offensively, I mean, firing on all cylinders for 60 minutes, 300 yards of passing, 300 yards of rushing, didn't have a third down until five minutes to go in the second quarter, uh, and even that was a third and two. I mean, just, I mean, unbelievable performance. Uh, fun to watch, man. What a game. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, too, for the Georgia offense, it's like right now they're, what, number six in American scoring points per game, fifth in American yards per play. Uh, this is right now arguably – like the best offense of any of the teams currently competing for a national championship right there alongside the Oregons, the Washingtons, the teams that are also, you know, statistically pretty stellar there as well. And it's an interesting identity for Georgia. You know, last couple of years, you can make case best defense in the country. Offense, very good. But the defense in 2021, maybe even historically good. This year, it's a little bit of a different type of thing where it does feel like right now, Georgia's being led by its offense, maybe a little bit more than it has the last couple of uh, national championship seasons. It's kind of a fun identity that UGA has at the moment, is it not? Yeah, that's a uh, very uh, neat perspective. Um, you know, every year, every team, uh, they're going to figure out their identity. One, they're going to try to figure it out in training camp. But it's just as the season and the games progress, uh, you really start to figure out who you are. And, I mean, right now it looks like, hey, man, the offense is, is the one that's really can be true across all of college football um and man the defense just played just well enough but um man when you can play complimentary football on both sides of the ball that's when you really have something special so um i mean the georgia defense i would say this year isn't quite maybe as good as they were the last two or three years um but man they're still a dang really good yeah. defense so uh that's obviously going to help and it's going to be fun to watch uh, as they, they try to finish this thing out. We talked a little bit last week about Brock Bowers. We had the anticipation that he might return, and then none, not only does he return, he also catches a touchdown pass. I mean, you just can't hardly put it into words, can you, about the the level of determination he shows to get back from injury as quick as he did, and it's almost like he wouldn't have it any other way. I think it speaks very well of him as a competitor, but it also speaks very well of the Georgia team that Bowers wants to return to. He clearly must think this Georgia team has some good things in store for it over the course of the next few weeks. Otherwise, maybe he would have thought different about his decision, but pretty obviously he was chomping at the bit to get back here for UGA, wasn't he? Yeah, man, the return of Brock Bowers after this tightrope surgery, his pass is 
as he did. Um, I mean, just athletically, uh, mentally, uh, physically, and emotionally. I mean, just a freak of nature. Um, I mean, really. I mean, just to come back from that and be at that high of a level, um, playing capacity is incredible. To play the number of snaps he played uh, is incredible. Um, and when you have your best players chomping at the bit to come back and play for your team, like Brock Bowers, like Amarius Mims, yeah. uh, to want to come back and, and help out any way they can, uh, that's a sign of a, a great team identity, what they have going on in the locker room, um, and guys just wanting to play for each other. Saturday's also a reminder, we really haven't seen a ton of, of Ladd McConkey and Brock Bowers together at the same time. And the trio of, you mentioned Marius Mims, you know, these, you know, top flight players kind of at different points in time and kind of all dealt with their injury of, you know, McConkey came back fully healthy in the first game Bowers missed. And when Bowers doing some big things early, that's when Ladd was kind of dealing with his back injury. But, you know, you do have the indication now that down the stretch, perhaps you get a lot from both McConkey and Bowers, and that is quite a one-two punch for the passing game, and that's the kind of thing that could give Georgia, I believe, an even bigger lift kind of going into this stretch run towards the postseason. Yeah, I mean, the team's getting healthy at the right time uh, to really go and to make a run. Um, I, 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 man, I love Ladd McConkey, and honestly, I, I think the secret sauce to the offense really is Ladd McConkey. Yes, I mean, Obviously, Brock Bowers, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, he is a vital part of the game plan. Um, but what Ladd is able to do for a quarterback uh, on third down, on shot throws, um, he just he takes that top layer off, uh, off the defense. And, um, man, I, I think as long as you know Ladd goes for seven catches and over 80 yards, there's going to be a lot of offensive success um, for the team. You know, on Saturday night, Kirby Smart did not want to make too big of a deal out of winning the SEC East now for a third straight year, since you're saying that's the expectation. But, you know, during your Georgia career, you were also a part of three consecutive division wins there in 2017, 18, and 19. Hopefully behind the scenes, y'all did take some time to appreciate that because I think it is a cool accomplishment even for a team like Georgia and a program like Georgia that aspires for even greater success. I mean, what does it mean to you to see another kind of sort of three straight you know, division titles here last year, by the way, of the SEC East going away with divisional play next year. For someone who also played in Atlanta three consecutive years, what does it mean for you that Georgia now gets a chance to do that again? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's just the, that first part of uh, that stepping stone to get where you want to be, right? Like, in order to, to be in Atlanta, to win that Atlanta game, to, to put yourself in the uh, Final Four, um, you know, you got to win the East. So that's just like the first thing uh, that you gotta you got to go do. Um, you know, and I, I think he, Kirby did such a great job of just ingraining our brains that, hey, that's the standard. Like, that, that's, what, that's what we do uh, at Georgia is we just go out and we win the East and we give ourselves a chance in Atlanta. So um, I wish I could say I, I enjoyed it a little bit more than I did, but, I mean, honestly, that was just kind of part of, yeah the nature of what what Kirby built in the locker room of, of the expectation it's uh Jake Fromm here on a Kroger fresh take and of course we're getting ready for Thanksgiving we love this time of year and Kroger's a great place to go for all of that when you think about the turkey right there in the uh, center of the table or all the side dishes that go around it you want to cook it yourself you want to have Kroger cook it for you a lot of different options there just make sure you check out your local Kroger as we get ready for Thanksgiving what a fun time of year this is and of course for all of the uh, great food that you uh, enjoy with family and friends this time of year Kroger the great place to go for all of that so stop by your local Kroger and see what's going on there right now getting you ready for thanksgiving at your local kroger and of course saturday jake it's back at neyland stadium this is a place that during your career you had great success big win there in 2017 really fun game there in uh, 2019 of course we all remember you singing rocky top uh, at the uh, end of that game there at the 2019 season but you know how intense the atmosphere can be even in a year like this in which obviously tennessee right now by appearances doesn't have much to play for but you also kind of know what it takes to thrive in an environment like this. What do you make of Georgia going back to Neyland Stadium? And how about the idea that Georgia already knows it's playing for the SEC championship, Tennessee perhaps already kind of knows that its season goals aren't going to really come to pass. What do you think that does for the mood around this game on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, Kirby's message for these guys is just, hey, don't don't take this week off just because we're in Atlanta. Um, I look, I mean, Neyland Stadium is a, is a chaotic – environment it's going to be loud um fans are not very nice 
Um, and, I mean, to be honest, under Coach Heupel, I mean, the, the Tennessee team is a different football team at home. Mm. Uh, to me, they play so much better, so much more comfortable, um, and they have a lot more offensive success. So, um, to me, it's just, hey, we, we got to focus on this week um, and, and don't look to the future because, uh, I mean, Tennessee would want nothing more and to put a little stain, a little bit of blemish on the Georgia football season right now. How easy is that to do? You know, the idea of we're going to stay focused and still play week to week, even though technically speaking, the biggest moments of this season for Georgia seemingly come later on. You never want to lose a game, though. Like, how easy is it to maintain your focus, knowing that you've kind of already punched your ticket for Atlanta and you're kind of thinking about what can happen after that? Is that the kind of thing that's perhaps sometimes easier said than done for these players? Easier said than done. I mean, you are dealing with 17 to 21 year old young men, um, and it's just tough. But you got to get everybody to, to buy in uh, and commit to it. Um, I, that's uh, the the crazy and hard part about a college football season, especially in the SEC. Uh, is every week when you walk into a game, uh, an SEC opponent for especially is uh, that team is is more than capable of beating you. Uh, the best team doesn't always win. It's the team that plays best. So. You want to be the team that plays best on it on any given Saturday. Jake, great stuff. Thank you so much for being here as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take. We certainly appreciate that, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you very soon as uh, Georgia tries to roll on and keep this undefeated season going and perhaps set sights towards another national championship. We appreciate your time. That's it. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Great stuff from Jake Fromm. Always love having him here as part of a Kroger Fresh Egg every day or every week on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, really good stuff. I'll also say this. I have been reprimanded, told not to mention the waiting list for the Dog Nation invasion anymore. Apparently that is full again. So <laughs> y'all have gotten me in trouble because too many people responded to that. But we are going to have a great time in Knoxville on Saturday. Georgia heading up to the Tennessee River, focused and ready for a big performance. We are the same way around here. And, of course, great sponsors make it all possible. One of the ones you've heard me mention now a few times, our friends at the Dog Cave. Now, here's what I want you to think of when you think of the Dog Cave. First of all, the website is thedogcave.com, thedogcave.com. You obviously want unique, branded UJ apparel. You want to give that as a part of your Christmas gifts from for those that you love. But sometimes it's sort of hard to find things that nobody else has. But that's where the dog cave really can kind of step up. And they got like national championship coasters, really fun acrylics, all kinds of really cool stuff that you're not going to see anywhere else. So if you want some great Georgia stuff made by a terrific Georgia fan named Jim Wells, talented artist, go to the dogcave.com to find out more about that. That is the dogcave.com. Hello, Dog Nation. Had a little bit of an issue with our recording here at this point in the broadcast. We were basically done anyway, just the normal pleasantries to sort of wrap up Golden Shoes, Gator Hater Updater. That kind of got lost today. So we're going to apologize for that, and we're going to say goodbye to you for today, but we're going to come back. We're going to try to do it better tomorrow. So thank you for being a part of our show each and every day. We'll see you back here tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management.